Hello and welcome to episode 197 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Stanislav here in Chicago, and with me on the line from Denver, Colorado, it's the one and only Shane Beeps. Hey, Shane. Hey. <laughs> are we being are we being Grindcast? The spikiest podcast in all of Denver and Oak Park. Oak Park. That Stan, there's a threatening man over your shoulder. It's don't worry. It scares me. It's just some signage. It's just some threatening signage. <laughs> threatening signage. Yeah, you're in a new location, a different recording location. Hopefully, it's as good as Dave's spare bedroom. It's not. No. The internet was better in Dave's bedroom, but this is fine. Yes, I'm now in my father-in-law's attic office, surrounded by like ten-year-old IMAX <laughs> and other forgotten electronica. Yeah, it looks like an image of Igor Stravinsky is staring over your you in the background. I'm not sure. For the he last time, look pleased with what we're doing. It's Henry honestly. Crown. It's Henry it's, Crown. It's from the Henry Crown Sports Pavilion. The Henry and, Crown. It's from the Henry Crown Affair. That's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan was really good in that. Yeah. I don't think the guy whose name is on a sports pavilion is really pleased with our podcasts, our <laughs> no. our trading card podcasts. Yeah, who even <laughs> listens to podcasts, he says. That's right. Also with us, the godfather, Dave Harburger. Hey, Dave. Hey, friends. You know how I can't win at anything anymore? Yeah. I do have something to share. Okay. You won one? You won Powerball? No, I won Powerball, <laughs> and so the podcast <laughs> is over. Uh, no, my uh, all the W's in my house have gone from me to my lovely spouse, it turns out, because... First off, she's destroying me in fantasy football this week, and she's about to Perfect. be 8-0 in our fantasy football league, Man, which is unbelievable. She, she had a couple of rough years, so she's due. She's due. But she also won a chili cooking competition on our block today. She made chili today. We took it to the, a, a huge gathering of our neighbors and friends, and she won. And her dad made a competing chili because he's here visiting us, and he came <laughs> in second. Oh my gosh. I thought you were going to say she won a chili eating contest. No, I wouldn't share that on the podcast. <laughs> now, Dave, I thought we were neighbors and friends. Yeah. Well, this is people who actually live on the street. It's Dan. Uh-huh. On the I street. See. I see. But if you're so ever we- wondering who's getting the wins around my house, it is not me. It is it is her. And I told her I would talk about it today. She won an apron. And the other thing is the chili recipe she used, she made up about five years ago. She won a different chili competition with it. A friend of hers called her yesterday and asked her for the recipe to take to a different competition in Ohio. That person also won. So I'm quitting the podcast to start a cookbook about chili. This is like MTG Twitter where people are like, play this deck. Like, this is chili Twitter. You should be making this chili. Yeah. What are we going to do in the maple bacon chili metagame to come? I, I wasn't going to talk about this until we turned into a chili cast, but I had some really good bison chili today, actually. Oh, that's good. I made Beyond style, Beyond Meat Cincinnati style chili the other week, and it ruled. Yeah. I can't wait to eat more of that. Well, enough chili for one week. <laughs> good. If you want a recipe, tweet at me. Let's see how many, if anybody asks me for this recipe. And I'll tell you the secret ingredient if you want. Is it paprika? Is it love? It's not. It's neither one. I'd already said what the secret ingredients were, but... Oh, it's the maple cinnamon or something? Bacon. Maple bacon. bacon. There you go. Yeah. Turns out bacon is good. Who knew? All right, we're not going to talk about bacon anymore. This week, instead, we're officially kicking off spoilers from the Bros War. 
And spoiler alert, Urza wins, but But at at what cost? That's what we'll talk about today. About 9 CMC is what it's looking like the cost is from the spoilers. And then some. We're also going to take a little bit of time to just recap some of our recent playing with innovations in modern. I've been trying. Your recent playing? Yeah. Yeah. This is mostly Stan. Stan had some things he wanted to say. I, I had some things to say about Karuga. Stan Silo, we call this section. Come yeah. on, pretty mama. The macro sage is in the house. But before all oh, that... Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, you just did the bit. Karuga, Kahira, who I want to take you to no, Kar- Gigantha, Garuda, no. come on, pretty mama. <laughs> Butchering this. Baby, in Icoria Keys. Companion no, zone. Yep, yep. In the Icoria Keys, there's a place called the Companion Zone. <laughs> <laughs> That's where Watsy wants to go to really mess up our game. This is perfect. Sign us, Warner Brothers. Yeah. Geffen, you out there? In the companion zone. I can I can go low. I couldn't believe how many of them are three syllable words that end in A though. Even the ones that are left. Yeah. There's Kahira, Gigantha, Garuda, Karuga. and Karuga. <laughs> yes. Yes, I was I was rehearsing my part about comparing Kahira and Karuga, and it was really hard to keep the two straight. So hopefully mm-hmm. the practice will pay One's off. One's a hippo, the other is a elemental cat. Yeah, mm-hmm. what is that thing? Yeah, yeah, I think it's elemental anyway. cat and hippo dinosaur. Yep. Cool, 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 cool. Before all that, though, let's housekeep. No new patrons. No increased patrons. No new reviews. No, we have two new reviews. Oh, we do. Yeah. Like, so, uh, okay, so full disclosure, behind the scenes stuff. Typically, there's like a review aggregator that we look at for this. I have noticed that they're getting like multiple days behind. Mm. So we have a new, I mean, this is six days behind. We have a review from Brandor83, who, uh, this is just, this is like one of those feel good reviews, you know, just making us, you know, uh, it doesn't hurt that the hosts are just good friends with a passion for their hobby. Also, they know they could talk about soap and still be entertaining, so sometimes they just do. Sometimes we just do. Sometimes we sing a Beach Boys par- a thirty-three-year-old Beach Boys parody or whatever, too. Oh my gosh, I think it might be older than that. But also, and then uh, we have one from this app stinks, uh, and <laughs> it says uh, you keep the voices away. Thanks for your content. So I, I I'm there with you. That's yeah. really why I listen to podcasts. That's same. I think Shane said it best the other day where he said, you keep me from being alone with my thoughts. Five stars. Five stars. Wood, wood pot again. But we do have a Patreon. If you do want to join the Dive Down Nation, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the dive down. A uh, dollar a week is the entry level. Gets you into the definitively discreet Dive Down Discord. Gets And then uh, going up from there, gets you access to various kinds of swag, including the very sick deck box that you know you might have heard us talk a million times about, but they are sitting in our basements waiting to get sent out to folks. Playmats, uh, collaborating with us on episodes. So we appreciate all of you all who have supported us uh, now in the past and want to do so in the future. So patreon.com slash the dive down. And if you'd like to support us while playing Magic, check out manatraders.com. If you have not tried this rental service for Magic Online, I think it's well worth your time. If you want to get better at Magic, I think it's one of the easiest ways to get to get better at Magic. Get into Magic Online, rent some cards, play manatraders.com. You can use our code, the dive down 15 to get 10% off your first two months of Magic the Gathering rental cards. 
can we talk about just how good Magic Online is for making you better? Because Nathan Stoyer mm. won yet another thing. At, he won the world championship, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and uh, you know, you may know his name from uh, various. What is it? The Mox Championships yeah. that he's won like two in a row of. Yes, like two of the last. Yeah, so these are the kind of people who just grind Magic Online. They get a lot better. You're playing people like Stoyer, like you know, all sorts of people who are much better than all of us. Uh, and that's what you need to do to get better at Magic, along with analyze your play, blah blah blah. But yes, so Magic Online, a great place to become probably the best player in the world. You specifically, yeah. it's you. Yeah, you're the best we player see in the you. World. You're going to be the best player in the world. That that is the secret thing that every Magic player thinks about themselves. You know, that's the whole reason any of us are hooked in this game. If I tried just a little harder, I could be the best player in the world. Sure, you can. Use our code. That's true. Yeah, you can do it, buddy. You can also, of course, play paper. You don't have to play online. And if you use promo code Dive Eight, you can get eight percent off at Nerd Rage Gaming. We don't even get a kickback. You get all the value. I actually used this code myself for the first time recently. Bought some new cards. Sweet. And they arrived in two days because Nerd Rage is like 20 miles away from me. It was fantastic, I say. Should have carried it over. Finally, if you would like to, you know, we're going to talk about them a little more later, but if you'd like to get some excellent shaving, skincare, grooming, soap products, check out Barrister and Man, barristerandman.com. Where the dive down 15 will get you 15% off your first order. We'll talk more about that later when we want to, you know, you can join us for the soap corner. Uh, <laughs> lastly, if you listen to these codes and you think, boy, I wish I could remember what the codes are or who their sponsors are, get some links. You can always go to the divedown.com to see our website and see on the homepage, you'll see all these codes written with links to the appropriate people, including links to our Patreon and other things like that. So you can't always just go to the divedown.com to see stuff from us so before we get into spoilers and just so that we can justify this beach boys bit that we did earlier off the top stan wanted to talk a little bit about the playing that he's been doing in modern lately we can have a little check-in on what's been happening since the orion ban since energy last week stan what's been going on in modern what do you have to say well it seems like everyone's just trying to figure out what's the best companion to play with omnath hmm and the latest innovation that is really the talk of the town is Karuga the Macro Sage. Right. Well, we did talk about this for a split second last week. Why do you think it's worth more than the passing moment that we had before? Because I've now played with the deck and I can actually provide a little bit of firsthand experience on how Karuga impacts game states, what the trade offs you're making due to the actual deck and and how the four color matchups function. And really it's now more of a informed opinion than a strictly observational opinion. Right. That dismissed it as a meme, a meme. I believe you called it. I, I did. I, did I say it was a meme? I'm not even sure that I don't think it's a meme still, but now at least I like understand the history behind the meme and like the source material and, Got and it. perhaps why Respect the Cat, who I think was central to pioneering this particular innovation, sees in this in this version of the deck and 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 really like why play Kerhira in the first place? Because it's it's more than just the the lols. It does right. something. You mean Karuga. 
that the Matt Crusage. You did exactly what you said you were going to do. It, it's hard not to. I'm sorry. And and please continue I, to correct me every, you. every time I make this mistake. Uh, I'll just give you my spiel, but feel free to, to interrupt me with questions. I only got to play one league with this deck, and I did play with the list that Respect the Cat tweeted recently where he went like uh, nine and one across two leagues, I think was the record. Um, and overall, I actually felt like the deck was pretty good. Truly. It had some issues that, for my taste, I don't think I would want to necessarily deal with if I can avoid. But I think there's worse things to do than play the Karuga versions. And, you know, in some, you know, to, to some extent, there may be even like a handful of minor advantages. In my one league, I went 3-2. And my only losses were to creativity twice in a row. Mm. Whereas I beat Blue Eye Control, Arakto's mid-range deck, so not scam, just like mid-range red-black cards and Hammer Time. It was mono white Hammer. So against Hammer, I feel like you know I'm sure you're going to get into this, but this is I think Hammer is like a good test for this deck, right? Because I think one of the things you're thinking is, oh, my stuff's really expensive. Like maybe it's too slow. Maybe it's not going to be able to interact with stuff early enough and. You know, how do you feel about all that? I'm sure you're going to get into it, as I said. Yeah, I mean, um, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I, I can answer that now. I, I didn't really have my hammer notes laid out. But the thing about the hammer matchup and what this deck really trades in for when it cuts all of the cards that are below 3 CMC, perhaps we should even clarify that. When you play Karuga, you have a deck building restriction where none of your cards can be below 3 CMC, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of the opposite of Luris in some exactly. ways, right? Exactly, yeah. So all of your decks look like Cascade decks minus the free spell. So mm-hmm. don't don't put Karuga in your Cascade deck unless you want to get a match loss. And Shane, I, I, I will get to your question, but I perhaps should clarify that what you're cutting to meet the Karuga restriction are things like Ren and Six, Counterspell, Expressive Iteration, Prismatic Ending. Those were the four big ones, in my opinion. Some decks are also, of course, playing Lightning Bolt and Holy Heat, Ephemerate. Right, those are pretty good cards, ball. right? Those are pretty good cards, those four that you said. Yeah, I, I mean, I think those are four of the best cards, personally. Mm-hmm. And to make up for their absences, what you end up playing are extra lands. You're also playing more board-based removal, especially Touch the Spirit Realm is the big addition here, where you pretty much don't see that card appear anywhere else in Modern. And Fire Ice is another big addition where you do see it elsewhere in Modern, and we kind of understand how it impacts games. And then to make up for things like Expressive Iteration and perhaps to some extent Run and Six, you're even adding other value engines, including Fable of the Mirror Breaker and Risen Reef. Again, two cards that we know what they do. So to answer your question, Shane, about the Hammer matchup in particular, because this version of the deck is cutting things like Counterspell and Expressive Iteration and playing additional removal, including Spirit Realm and Fire Ice, and to some extent even leaning into things like Fury and Solitude, maybe, I actually felt like the Hammer matchup was actually pretty good. Maybe it was even better than the old Yorian matchups where it was harder to draw into some of that interaction. But all the modes on Touch the Spirit realm were super relevant in the hammer matchup because sometimes the hammer player will just go all in on a germ token or a construct and you can just pay two to to do the blink effect and that's as good as you know prismatic ending basically plus they can't interact with it even if they have to ferry out 
So when it comes to actually evaluating the the new cards versus the old cards, while the swap for things like Spirit Realm and Risen Reef specifically, and to some extent Fire Ice, don't actually feel like downgrades, in my mind, the real loss was Renin 6. And that's where I actually felt punished for playing a Karuga deck. Because Renin 6 alone just pulls so much weight in ensuring specifically that you hit all of your land drops, but perhaps even more importantly, that you have perfect color combinations for a deck with very intense color requirements, where you uh-huh. want to be able to sometimes have double white, double red, Omnath mana, um, or just like Wooberg for turn two late line binding, right? Yep. And here, you sometimes just get screwed over by opening hands that have like a fetch, a shockland, and a basic, or like, you know, two awkwardly colored shocks and a Basaju, and you kind of have to keep those because your deck isn't really operating particularly proactively in the opening turns. So you can try to develop and hope that you draw into like a good fetch or another land that will help spread out your color mana availability. But at the end of the day, not being able to just like replay windswept heath every turn with renin six actually felt like something that you need to accommodate when you are evaluating your opening hands Mm -hmm. one other very narrow issue i encountered that was really apparent to me just because i played creativity twice was creativity versus Omnath is an interesting matchup that comes up a lot. And I think one of the reasons why creativity had seen a spike in metagame share was because I think according to conventional wisdom, it's favored against four color decks. Right. And in those matchups, personally, I really want access to things like counter spells so that I can either punish my opponent for trying to creativity for three, two or three, right? Or ideally just devote as little mana as possible, but get into a little bit of a counterspell war where I can have Teferi with Dovin's Veto or counterspell up. You don't have counterspells in this deck, so you can't really do that. And instead, you're counting on certain sideboard cards or main deck removal to obstruct the creativity plan. You have a lot of main deck removal that's able to take care of it because Touch of the Spirit Realm takes care of it and Leyline Binding takes care of it, right? Yeah, so that's the thing, though. Like... Using Leyline Binding on a Dwarf token is <laughs> <laughs> annoying, right? Because you really yeah. want to use it on Renin 6. Um, right. fire, fire Ice is really good against Dwarf tokens, but sometimes they're able to creativity artifacts or treasure tokens. Um, you feel really bad pitching a Solitude to deal with them, but I felt with this particular deck, in the matches and games that I played, it was really hard for me to play against creativity in a way that wasn't creating massive card disadvantage for me. And ultimately playing into their plan where they can almost creativity for one or two with the spell pierce up and then just sort of blow me out that way. You do have to ferry, but you know, if you don't draw it, you will lose those those battles, those stack-based battles um, frequently. And I will actually mention Touch the Spirit Realm was maybe the best interaction against them I think just because the channel ability is so great against the tokens. And then if they have Archon on the battlefield, you can exile it with Spirit Realm. Not at instant speed, but even so, just being able to have a really clean answer to Archon is usually pretty cool. 
Stanislav, I feel like you're not talking about the hippopotamus in the room. <laughs> True. I'm so glad you brought this up. So there's a reason to play it beyond just the meme value. And I think what the hippo does that Kahira does not, right, is that Karuga, in theory, draws you cards. Yes. That is the extra line of text. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card for each other permanent you control with CMC 3 or greater. I think Yorian is a better card draw engine than this. And if you're strictly playing this to be a better companion than Kahira, I don't think it makes up for the loss of Renin 6 and other cheap interaction, including Prismatic Ending and Counterspell, and, and Expressive Iteration for that matter, than what off, honestly just kind of feels like a win-more condition that Karuga provides. So Karuga's cool if like you're playing a lot of early Leyline Bindings, maybe hard casting Touch the Spear Realm, maybe you have a Teferi down, and then you play a Karuga and you refill your hand. That is that is true. But I often found that if I'm playing all those spells, plus have a couple creatures down, I'm probably winning anyway. And Karuga is just maybe expediting that by a turn or two, or just making sure I don't get blown out by something. Yorian, on the other hand, is just drawing you for like playing, drawing you cards because you've played like early Abundant Gross or it's resetting your Planeswalkers and it's providing a little bit more value at a lower cost to your to your deck and plan. Sure. I think one thing that's interesting here too is that, you know, you're probably trying to draw with Karuga, you know, in the places where you really want to draw a lot of cards with Karuga because you've fallen behind or something you might be behind because they killed your creatures and then you don't have as many permanents on the board to draw off yes. of Kruger with, right? So really 100%. the ideal is you're you're drawing with Leyline Binding and Teferi and Touch of the Spirit Realm out, I guess, which means you probably net like two or three cards yes. plus a 5-4. And it's like, maybe that's good some games, but maybe not quite as good as the other plan that we had before and also with other, plan, other plans that are available anyway. Is that kind of how you feel? Totally. And, and Karuga only procs for each other permanent that CMC through greater. So when it right. hits the battlefield, it doesn't replace itself. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I think uh, is worth clarifying. So ultimately, I played the deck. It was fine because Omnath is good. And like Risen Reef plus Pitch Elementals is busted. But I didn't feel like I was gaining an advantage over the Renin 6 versions. I actively missed Renin 6 and what it does to the way this deck operates and at the end of the day if i'm going to play more leagues with four color which i think i'm going to register for an rcq next week i think i'd really just still rather play the kahira version and use kahira as just like an extra threat after a long control game of attrition or as something to pitch to, to solitude yeah so then i think the question comes to for what it's worth you know, and this is our four-color control check-in on Modern before we go on to other things, so we're going to close this out in a second. But I want to know, did you try Zach Allen's list from the second day in Energy last week? Yeah, Ren, White, and Blue. Yes. Uh, I have not tried it yet. That's that's going to be the next one I give a shot to. Um, so that's no Omnaths. It's more pure control. Yeah, I mean, it's Blue-White Control. it does control have Ren and Six plus Blue-White Plus control. Ren and Six. Yeah. Like, that is the plan. You know, I yeah. haven't played Blue White Control in Modern in a really long time. So, yeah, I, t I don't know if I... Like, Zach Allen's the Blue White Master. Like, Zach Allen is, yeah. is just, like, one of the best control players in North America. I think he gets a little equity in matchups that I wouldn't have access to, where, like, I mean, when I was playing the Kahira deck, and, and to some extent this Karuga version, I just felt like I was... 
untouchable in a lot of situations just because I was playing the most yeah. busted cards. And I don't know if I want to play like Teferi Hero or, or Jace. Yeah. I, I'll give it a shot for, you know, uh, due diligence. But I think that at the end of the day, I really just want to have access to Omnath. Understood. And, and, and Express Federation. We'll keep you posted. Well, keep us up to date on your planning for this RCQ because yeah. I didn't realize that's part of where your mind was at as well with you trying out these decks. Yeah. And uh, maybe if it falls on the right day, I could even come with you Dave, to the RCQ for Friday once. Or not Friday, Sunday at Dice Dojo. Which Sunday? Sunday the 6th. Oh, next week? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's my, that's my child's birthday, so no. So yes, you're there. So yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Dude, I'm I just went it. to your kid's birthday. Different one. I have I have more than one. Oh god. All right. So we're going to take a quick break uh while everybody tries to figure out what to get my son for his birthday and then we'll be back with Brothers War spoilers after this. Stay with us. So, I've unlocked something new in myself from barrister and man Whoa. and and a little life hack for everybody else okay all the other busy parents out there listening to the dive down i've discovered that i can get away with not really showering all that much when i'm busy <laughs> by just using the beard oil or maybe oh yeah oh quickly yeah using using one of the barrister and man products to kind of cover up the funk when I mm-hmm. get too much, too much going on the weekend to shower. Dave. I shower every day during the week, you know, but when the weekends come, I got too much going on and nobody's watching my kids. It's me to watch my kids. <laughs> Just leave them with the dog. Leave them with the dog. No, I have to watch the dog too. All right, how's that dog doing, Dave? Uh, he's, a, he's a real, he's a real b- is what I have to say, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But anyway, so what uh, are you still, do you have, do you have more than one beard oil, Dave? I do. Stan? I want to say, Dave, you and I, similar weeks. I've been masking a lot of missed showers with the sandalwood beard oil, and no one seems to mind. Oh, sandalwood. That's what I wore to the aforementioned chili cook-off today, sandalwood. Get out of town. It's so good. I did. I was like... I was like, you know what? I think this is the scent that's going to go best with the the scent, the fall scent of cumin and fallen oak leaves and s'mores cooking over a neighbor's campfire in their backyard. Okay. It's me smelling like sandalwood, drenching my face in sandalwood to cover up the fact that I haven't showered. Look, the human body, you can you can go a day or two without showering. No problem. It's okay. But it does smell better if you have sandalwood in your beard. Yeah. Yes. Or yes. Seville. That's my or other Seville. go-to yeah, as far as beard, beard oil goes. That's a good life hack. Just stop showering. Just yeah. use oils. Exactly. Oils instead of showering. It's like we're back in you know, biblical times. Mm-hmm. Fragrant, fragrance oils. Stanislav, your, your beard is getting more wintry, I'm noticing. Definitely more winter length, Stanislav. That's me. That's my brand. Short in the summer, longer in the winter. Sandalwood beard oil is definitely keeping me fresh right now. My personal trick... Yeah, you know, I put a couple droplets in my hand, rub my hands together, rub it through my beard, finish it off through my head, and then I use a beard comb and comb my beard to just like kind of oh make yeah, yeah, do the comb, make it look cleaner, not not as scraggly. I've mentioned this before on the show, but I do that with my eyebrows as well because I <laughs> yeah. have yeah some pretty wicked eyebrows. eyebrows. I have yeah. beard like eyebrows. Yeah, exactly. So you know, this is what we do: hack your life. 
stop showering, use your beard oils. Uh, and I, I finally started using the bar soaps, by the way. And they're, oh, yeah. they're ex- extremely aromatic, extremely good. So yeah, is you know if if you if you are not a beard owner, if you're not a, a beard haver, there are other items that Barrister and Man uh, offers, such as a plethora of pretty awesome bar soaps. I have to say, in terms of fragrance and quality, and uh, yeah, you can head on over to Barrister and Man M A N dot com. You use the coupon the Dive Down fifteen. Gets you 15% off your first order. A uh, little call to action. If you go back to Barrister and Man, let's say you've done one order already and you're going back to get more stuff, just maybe put a comment in there. Like, hey, you know, we're coming back. I'm a dive down listener. I'm buying another order. That way, Will and the team know that you came back from us and that will help keep our relationship going strong with them. So we appreciate all of you all who, are, who have or are going to order again from our awesome uh, sponsor Barrister and Man. And we are back. Spoiler season is among us. You know it because the leaves are changing. Foliage means there's new cards. It's a question of whether they're tricks or treats, my friend. Am I right? Is that timely? We are recording this on the 30th. It's, I'm sorry to derail us again, guys, but can I tell you something crazy? My 14 and a half month old, he's almost 15 months, said trick or treat tonight. And I know I sound like a oh. crazy person, but I'm not the only one who heard it. He was Aww. walking around with a pumpkin and I said trick or treat. And he said, trick or treat. Aww. He didn't really enunciate all the syllables, but he, imi- <laughs> he, he imitated me. It was incredible. Am I going to get to see this tomorrow? We're, we're, we're going out together tomorrow, right? Yeah, we're trick-or-treating, Dave. All right. Oh, man. What are you dressing up as? Dads? Yep. I'm going to cover Perfect. myself in beard oil and then, and then see how it goes. <laughs> uh, no, I have a full-blown costume, but I'm not going to say what it is. I want, I want to surprise Dave. I went to Halloween Hallway, got a big polyester thing, a big polyester smock. But enough about smocks. Let's talk about the Brothers War. It's a glimpse into the past. One of Magic's greatest stories ever told. We finally get to witness it firsthand as players and don't have to read about it in a hastily written novel from the late 90s. <laughs> a tale as old as time. That's a right. A song as old as rhyme. Brothers War spoilers. To ferry the... Pilgrim of Time ventures 4,000 years into Magic's lore to figure out what happened between Urza and Mishra, two brothers who love to hate each other, sibling rivalry gone wrong. These are all things I said in my Polygon article. I was very proud of those little sound bites. So I'm saying them again. But we're talking about a lot of cards today. Before we do, though, we should refer to some of the new and returning mechanics in the set because there are some powerful mechanics that people are going to get to experiment with in modern and pioneer as well as some new mechanics that might be worth exploring as well yeah we got kicker <laughs> we don't have kicker kicker we there's don't no have kicker, kicker right there's no kicker we have other things we have split we have, cards we have prototype i guess prototype is kicker isn't it kind of that, that was a joke go yeah. ahead Dave. T- tell me about prototype david Look, we're not going to talk about all the mechanics. This isn't like an extensive write-up of them, but I do think that when we started trying to theme out how to talk about spoilers, it kind of the the front half of this kind of fit around some of the new mechanics that are here or some of the returning mechanics. So, the first one is prototype. I think it's the best one. Prototype is 
I'm not going to try to rules explain it, but the cards have two casting costs, essentially. So it is a little bit like Kicker, where there's a normal casting cost in the upper right-hand corner, which is all, I think on all the cards that we've seen so far, it's all colorless mana. So it's a generic artifact. But in the middle, there's an area on the card that says prototype, and it has a different different casting cost there it's it makes cheaper. the creature a different yeah. size yes. and they're generally cheaper though i wouldn't be surprised if there was one where they invert that because they always do they always have one that's more expensive oh. when they do this kind of stuff so we'll see but here's how it works the example card the first example card is phyrexian flesh gorger which is a seven cmc artifact creature phyrexian worm it has menace lifelink and ward Pay life equal to Phyrexian Flesh Gorger's power. It's a 7-5. And then it says prototype 1BB-3-3. You may cast the spell with different mana costs, color, size, and it keeps its abilities and types. Yes, I don't care if, if prototype is just kicker, just plotted out differently in reverse. All of magic is a kicker. It's kicker cards over and over again, and that's fine. I think that this is an incredible amount of text for a 3-mana three 3-3. Three three as yeah. far as abilities go. Yes, I think this is an incredible amount of card for a single piece of cardboard on both sides, especially the yeah. big side, the seven-mana side, but it's probably going to be serviceable at the three-mana side, too. Yeah, I mean, I, th- this is a card, I think this is going to be a recurring theme in this particular set as we talk about these cards. Is I think this card is powerful. It doesn't have an immediate home to me that makes the most of whatever this synergy is right now that I that I must be there stan has some ideas it looks like i mean obviously the seven mana means like hey put me in tron but i don't think this card is better than no i don't think this card is better than worm coil engine no to be honest it is. Oh, i do it think is. this card is good no. though what no not a chance this card is better than worm coil engine send tweet really oh yeah you think this this th- this is the power crept worm coil really it better i think see i think worm coil is so much better just because it it devolves into those two other creatures the the ward i guess is i think the only thing that i think is saving stan statement which is like how do you kill it besides blocking it and then you have to have two things that block it and you're likely going to lose probably both of them if you're going up against tron so yes yeah and i guess if you have to kill you have to kill it you lose seven life anyway so then it just is what it is yeah it also it it wins games faster than worm curl does right it it just it Wormcoil needs to swing four times. This needs to swing three times for whatever that's worth. And more importantly, this can go into coffers too. It doesn't have to be mono green Tron exclusively. It can go in the coffers deck that can potentially play it early and then play it late once coffers is online. So to be honest, when I look at this card, I, I'm mostly thinking about how to use it, the prototype cost in a place that makes sense. And so for me, I'm looking at this going, does this go in like a black mid-range deck? Does this go in something along the lines of you know, Jund, does this go in red, black, mid range and pioneer because it's got so much text on it. And then you sometimes get to seven still, and then you can cast it. It's just this giant thing, but I don't know about that because I don't think it does anything that like a mid black based mid range deck necessarily, like especially like Rakdos and pioneer, for example, like, I don't think this is what you want your three up doing. Cause it's not actually doing anything. It's just a body. Yeah. Right. And uh, whereas, well, like, I mean, well, all, the, all the other bodies are like things that interact with like graveyards or like make your opponent pay an extra card to kill it. And that's all the kind of stuff you want to be doing. But it has lifelink, which is actually really good. 
in in those kind of decks when you're facing sure. aggro decks and you're worried about that it has menace so it has some evasion which is also really good and then if they kill it they have to take three damage anyway i i don't think that you have to be casting this card for seven and the prototype is the bailout i think that prototype is the main case and the seven is the bailout kind of hmm. but yeah i i feel like you want a deck that has some kind of ramp ability so like i like the coffers concept where it's like hey you know, I'm I'm making more mana than I should, but if I don't, I have a fail safe. You know, rather than the other way around. But I mean, I think the fact that we're talking about it this much says that there are some options that people will likely experiment with. And yeah, we'll see. I, I think what's interesting, one thing that I do want to mention because we're talking about rules and uh, mechanics right now is like prototype works in a weird way, where it's like typically like the upper right corner. And the type line and stuff like that is what you would always revert to as like, yeah, this is a three mana value card or something like that. But prototype, if it's in your library, graveyard, hand, or exile, it's the upper right corner. It's this normal card. Once it's cast with a prototype stuff, it's the prototype card. So like Flesh Gorger cast as a prototype is a black three mana value artifact creature even though the upper right corner still says seven and it's a colorless artifact creature. So yep. I find that it's, it's a little bit confusing. Um, you know, just be aware of that when you're starting to play this in your pre-releases or whatever. Well, let's talk about a card that really, that matters a lot more, I think. And that is Skitterbeam Battalion, which is another good prototype card, I think. It's another mythic. It's a nine colorless casting cost artifact creature construct. Prototy- it has Trample, Haste, when Skitterbeam Battalion enters the battlefield, if you cast it, create two tokens that are copies of it. It is a 4-4. So if you cast it for nine, you get three 4-4s with Trample and Haste that are all copies of the same card. Okay? Its prototype cost is three red-red for 2-2, two, two, which means that if you cast it for five mana value, you get three 2-2s two, with Trample and Haste. Uh, this card, to me, seems like a really good, again, kind of mid-rangey card. Not necessarily in black-red mid-range, but maybe in an Amhayashi style mid-range kind of deck if you want to have one card that can give you... that you're kind of assertive, but you want to have one card at the top of your curve or two cards at the top of your curve that you can cast for five that will give you a boost off a board state where you don't have a lot of stuff going on. That's... Why? What I think this card is, I think I'm primarily looking at these cards for their prototype costs and not for their mana costs. Hmm. One other note I would say really quickly is that because of the stuff Shane was talking about with the mana costs, this card is pretty good with Obosh as well because it makes three tokens that do double damage when you cast Obosh because they actually have an odd casting cost because they pick up the three RR as their own casting cost. This card's like good but like where is it good yeah like, I, you know, I, I know you i know you gave me the option but like i just don't like i don't know if it's like three two twos for five is like i don't know if i'd be happy with that even with haste in a lot of situations like and i just don't know where you're casting this for nine and winning with it like let's say you're in a control matchup and if you get to the point where like you're having like nine mana and like the control deck is likely going to have a lot of things in their favor at that point so I don't know. We'll, I mean, we'll see. What do you think, Stan? I'm more skeptical of this one than the Flesh Gorger. I, I think Shane kind of helped capture my thoughts. Like, at five mana, is this 
a better investment than something like Fury, where it's like simul like this is getting damaged through because of trample. Fury's getting damaged through because it's actually clearing the board and potentially getting you card advantage. I guess the tokens yeah. here are giving you card advantage as well, but I feel like two two bodies with trample are not as relevant. Like oh, it's, they definitely it, are not. It's so easy to blanka too. Yeah, I'm not really looking at this in modern. I don't think. I think it, you know. I played a mono red aggro deck the last couple of days in Pioneer, and maybe having a curve topper that could pull me back into a game rather than an endless stream of two twos, you know, for a single card would be something that would have been helpful at different points in time. I so. I do have to admit too in these episodes I'm almost always like de- <laughs> like reverting or the default defaulting to pioneer and then maybe modern where it's like if, if I'm talking about a card it's cuz I think it maybe has some pioneer chops and like modern if we're lucky type thing almost yeah, always I agree but I guess one thing that I think is pretty cool and I I mean I'm kind of dismissing it like getting three bodies for 5 is like not that bad you know what I mean? Like these are bodies. You don't have to. You don't have to attack with them. They don't go away at the end of turn. They're just bodies. And so, like that, just having things spread across, like power and toughness spread across cardboard, is like not a bad thing. You can sacrifice it to like for artifacts, energies. So there's like sacrifice stuff you can do. You can just having pieces of cardboard. We know how valuable that is with things like treasures and blood tokens and aristocrats style things in general so it's like i don't want to discount this i think this maybe has a place but maybe if it was like four instead of five i'd be like a little bit higher on it but that's a lot for four yeah i still think it's a lot of value for five but okay those are the best prototype cards that we have so far i gotta assume we're gonna have one or two more that are sweet too so we'll see what happens coming up with that the next not mechanic but cycle I wanted to talk about because this was the next most interesting stuff to me when I looked through the spoilers is that there are commands in this set. Commands are back. <laughs> Magic's longtime tradition of powerful spells, powerful modal spells that let you choose two of them. And there's always a cycle. So right now we have four of the cycle. But let's, I think this actually sadly might be the worst version yes. of this cycle so far. Yes. Uh, almost all of them are sorceries. There's one, only one that's an instant so far out of all of them. They're all terrible, except for one. And that's just because I'm an optimist. Oh, no, it's also terrible. Is it also terrible? Let's talk about it. So the I think the Gix's one is too expensive for our formats. I think Kayla's command is too underpowered for our formats. Urza's command has no counterspell mode. The blue one has no counterspell mode, which is very weird. It has a nice draw mode in the sense that it does scry one, then draw, which is, you know, fine. That's fine. But it doesn't really do anything. Misha's command is interesting because it is very cheap, can be very cheap, although also it can be not very cheap. So Mishra's command is X colorless and a red for a sorcery, and it says choose two. Choose target player. That player they may discard up to X cards. Then they draw a card for each card discarded this way. This spell deals X damage to target creature. This spell deals da- X damage to target planeswalker, and target creature gets plus X plus O and gains haste until end of turn. It's interesting. Lee bad. I don't think it's amazing, but. Well, why do you think it's bad off the bat? I think all of the ways that it scales isn't actually worth a card. So, you know, discard up to X cards, then you can draw a card for each card that's carded this way. Like, I would love for that ability to actually let you 
refill an empty hand. Like that's what red card advantage spells are like at their best is when you have spent all of your cards and then you just kind of need to keep going. And this doesn't allow you to do that. Um, this deals X damage to target creature. Those spells don't really ever see play for like the reason that that type of scaling effect isn't usually better than something like Bolt or even Stomp or just like a one mana removal spell that can trade with a creature. X to target Planeswalker is actually maybe the most relevant mode on this. If you can hit a Planeswalker with an annoying loyalty count, like that's great. But that last mode, the plus X and haste until in a turn, how much mana do you have access to if you can both cast a creature and then like giving it haste plus a boost? I I just kind of feel like not to mention the fact that this is sorcery. Like Yeah, the sorcery is the worst part of the I of just, all these yeah. for sure. Like I, I I can't believe I'm the one going to defend this card. Do please, it. Please, please convince me. I mean, like, I, it, it, these cards seem so bad that I almost feel like I must be overlooking something. You so, know what I mean? Shane, to be clear, I'm, I'm a little more positive on it, but I want to hear you be positive about something, so go. <laughs> okay, look, this is not, like, an amazing card. This is, right. like, a, this is potentially a Pioneer power level card. But, like, look at the two middle modes. This deals X damage to target creature. This deals X damage to target Planeswalker. That is a very good split. You're going to have a lot of targets for that a lot of times. And then you're going to continue to get your damage through uh, without having to deal with like their planeswalker in the future. Like let's say someone someone drops a planeswalker. This is me dreaming, dreaming, right? Someone drops a planeswalker. They minus it to create a token. You're like, crap, I can't attack through this now. Then you just cast this. And you're like, I take care of the planeswalker. I take care of the token. And then I attack in. Then, or otherwise, it's like the creature plus plus the damage boost is also really good because then late game if they're like hiding behind a single blocker or they swung in to and like left a single blocker back and you're like well uh, i'm gonna drop like even a small like two power red creature and then do you like let's say i have access to like six or seven mana i'm going to kill your blocker and then get in and potentially even kill you there so it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of options where i see this is good but the floor is bad the floor is lava it's so bad (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I feel like you're right though that it's all about how often you get to kill a creature and not even necessarily always kill a planeswalker. Sometimes it's just doing enough damage to one to make them not be able to use a very good minus ability, basically. But I, I kind of feel like that's that's where it's at too. Now I do think you're gonna have a tough time getting extreme value out of this for less than X equals three, mm-hmm. which means that this is basically a four drop spell, I think, in most scenarios. And in, in those cases, you probably will be able to kill a creature in a planeswalker pretty frequently. And then if you're smart and think of the scenarios like Shane was thinking about, I think it has potential for you to get value off of the plus X plus O. And honestly, sometimes you're happy to discard two lands and a card you're never going to cast to just redraw three. Yeah, I mean, that's the fable effect. And so, uh, Shane, you've made convincing points. And in an effort to try to figure out like where and when this card is good, I, I can see it maybe being like a really effective way to deal with Rakdos mirrors and Pioneer, like being able to hit like a Chandra and a Sorin or or like a Liliana and a, a Blood Tithe Harvester or whatever creatures they're playing right now. Like I can see that being really good. I think the mana investment to to do that is going to be a lot and it'll be difficult, but if the games go long, you're probably going to have access to like four or five extra mana to, to do the thing. Yeah. 
It's a two for one. When it's good. I mean, that's what Rakdos wants. But my, In a lot of scenarios, it's a two for one. Well, yeah. my, my concern is when it's not. Like, I think that's the floor is that it's not, not a two always, for one. Yeah. Because, like, you're up against someone who's just got two blockers and that last mode, like, the haste, I actually think, is maybe almost, like, not worth looking into. It's just, like, giving a boost to a creature that can attack no matter what. And the fact that it doesn't also offer trample, I like, is a little annoying to me. Yeah, that would be really good. Yeah, I think it's another not. It's close a command to though. Level. C- c- commands should be yeah. really good. Like, if, the, if you're going to spend a ton for a, a powerful effect, like, make it actually. Well, powerful. I think that's why that's good. Is that you? Don't, I mean, you you have to spend it. You know, a, a couple, right? But like, you don't have to spend a ton. Like, it's not necessarily a four or five mana command. We're also talking way too much about these marginal cards. So, <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. Meld. Meld. Meld is straight up Yu-Gi-Oh stuff, right? Two cards go together to make a giant card that does something totally absurd on the back of it. This was an Eldritch Moon, right? Or this was originally an El- no. This Shadows. was originally an Eldritch Moon. No nope. Shadows. Eldritch. Shadows. This was an Eldritch Moon. Oh yeah, Eldritch Moon. Yeah. I implore yeah. you to check. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I I was gonna talk about these for a minute. I don't think we need to. These are not going to fit. I don't believe any of these are going to fit in Pioneer, and they're certainly not going to happen in Modern. Like The only one that I think is close to something in this one is Titania plus the land, because mm-hmm. Titania is a 3-mana three 3-4 three, with reach that has some interesting stuff where you gain life if lands go into your graveyard, and then the other half of that is land, and all you have to do is have four lands in the graveyard to make it into the combined thing, uh, the... Uh, whatever the giant angry spirit is of Argoth, protector of Argoth. That's the only one that seems reasonable-ish to me, but I don't know. I could be wrong. I mean, look, we're seeing stickers in Legacy. If if we happen to see meld cards in other formats, so be it. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I, yeah. I'm a little surprised, but... I mean, Urza is a 2-4 Baral, which is kind of cool. You know, it redu- cost reducer... The dragon engine that goes with Mishra is a cool Unearth card. We Unearth is in this set. We haven't talked about that. Unearth is a really powerful ability, but I haven't seen any cards yet that really f- made me feel like I was super excited about Unearth, only this dragon engine. So I'm, I'm going to skip it for now. Maybe we'll come back to it later. I think these are all passes for our format. They're so expensive. So expensive. The, the Urza ability to f- f- meld them costs seven generic, plus having both cards in play. I mean, I know that's a, like a cool callback to Urzatron, but like... Yikes, for real. So we got the mechanics out of the way, or the new mechanics out of the way, or the old mechanics out of the way as well with meld and commands. But man, you all, all I keep seeing out of this set are wild artifacts that everyone is just like, is this now a target for Karn the Great Creator in the wishboard? Yes. I mean, it's basically a set mechanic at this point. It's just Karn targets the set. (laughs) <laughs> so let's talk about some Karn, some targets. Car- uh, let's talk about the first one here. The Stone Brain. It's two mana. It's a legendary artifact. Uh, two and a tap. Exile the Stone Brain. Choose a card name. Search target opponent's graveyard, hand, and library for up to four cards with that name and exile them. That player shuffles, then draw a card for each exile from their hand. This way, activate only as a sorcery. So this is a Necromentia effect, correct? Jester's cap. Come on, bro. Yeah, it's Jester's cap. Did Jester's cap make them draw when they exhale from their hand? No. That's what that's I'm saying. How, this is Necromentia. Right, that's just how they fix these things. But this is clearly a callback to, to Jester's cap with the whole an artifact Headwear. that does it. Yeah. But well, now, 
Now, one thing that's interesting, if you're thinking using that as your paradigm, is Justice Cap only got rid of three cards, and it costs one more mana. So actually, this is more expensive than than those cards to to use. Or sorry, Justice Cap was more expensive than this card. So this is power creep at work, et cetera, et cetera. The fact that it gets four cards is obviously key because you can go get someone's entire playset of something. Yeah, creativities you know, Titans, whatever they, whatever combo card they need, living ends, you know, whatever they need to win or come close to winning, you're going to try to take out of their hand and deck. So this says choose a card name. You can hit lands. You can hit basic lands, my yeah. friends. You can take every, all their planes or four no, of their planes four if planes, you want to. Yes. So this is good. It's, this is colorless. This, yes. every deck now has access to a Jester's Cap slash Necromentia style effect. Um, it can be paid in installments. It can be cast on two, popped on three. Essentially, you're building your own colorless Necromentia if your opponent can't remove it in the intermediate turn. Uh, this is really good, I think. Necromantia sees play in a lot of black sideboards. So I'm a big believer in this card in the decks that can cheat it, basically decks that come with Karn, not necessarily because it can be recurred, but because it can be tutored up when it matters, more so than I am imagining a mono-white deck playing this card so it has a f access to Necromantia. You know what I mean? Like I, I kind of feel like it's more that kind of zone, then so I'm looking at this for like Etron in modern. I do think the casting cost efficiency is fine for it to end up in a, any car in the great creator decks that there are in modern or artifacty decks in modern. I also think obviously people are going to try to use this to do busted loops in mono green devotion in Pioneer, which is going to be a recurring theme. Because note, you exile the stone brain. So right. it's one of the, again, anything you exile, you can get back with Karn the Great Creator, if so, you so choose. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, like you said, like, I don't know if, like, Necromentia is a card that black decks get to run, or if it's a card that they run because, like, they don't have counter magic, or they can't go over the top in the same ways. And so it's like, hey, I have to run a card like this because this is the way I interact with these game plans. But I can see it in it, it does give other decks options for playing a spell like that if they so choose, and it doesn't really cost them a lot to do that besides a slot in their deck because the mana efficiency, if you want to call uh, two mana to play and two mana to pop, mana efficient. Yeah, I mean it, it costs you the absolute shattering bad feelings of drawing this the turn after you could have play you should have played it and those kind of things which is why i think it's way better with karn than anything else but yeah i think the self-exile is maybe one of the coolest things where it's like you know sometimes exiling cards from yourself can be good where it's like hey i want these in my wishboard now along with the stone brain itself they're all exiled mm -hmm. so that's pretty wild yeah all right the next one on this list a little trickier to use in most of our thinking about these kind of cards is urza's silex Three generic legendary artifact. What's it? People really love Silexes in, in Dominaria, don't they? The activated cost is two generic white, white, tap, exile, Urza's Silex. Each player chooses six lands they control, destroy all of their permanents, activate only as a sorcery. 
When Urza Silex is put into exile from the battlefield, you may pay two. If you do, search your library for a Planeswalker card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle. Is this really... It's not up to six lands? That seems like really weird templating to me, but I'm assuming if you have one land, you only can choose one. You don't yeah. have to choose six. I have to think so. That's so that weird. would be devastating if that wasn't true. So, yeah, this card I think is very good. Um, it reminds me of, like some horrible old card that like is legal in commander that everyone secretly hates. I can tell you the card It's called cataclysm is the mm. card. That's very close to this cataclysm lets you keep one land, one artifact, one creature. Yes. So it's not exactly the same, but you know, it's kind of what it is. I hate these I effects. I guess it's really planar cleansing. Sorry. It's planar <laughs> cleansing. It makes, just makes the game go away longer um in commander but like for this this just seems like a total pain in the butt like it's another installment plan based card it's a wrath it gets rid of everything except for lands for an efficient cost uh it, it is one that makes splashing a bit harder but like you know we know that the colors are made up and they don't matter in modern anymore and so like this modest like in the modest like two man attacks to get a walker in hand seems like it'd be really good as well i mean the weakness here is like if you play it early it's exposed to permanent removal that seems like a sort of tough road for your opponent to travel bringing in artifact removal or like three mana sort of generic permanent removal against something like a white base control deck if that's the kind of thing that you're playing so i i feel like this is a strong card i feel like this will see play potentially even into modern uh just because of destroying everything is pretty darn good what's the wrath in mono green tron what's that called stone uh it's oblivion, it's oblivion. stone is it oblivion, oblivion stone? stone yeah there's oblivion also stone. all is dust right is this this doesn't get played over oblivion stone right well they have to make white yeah they're not going to figure out a way to make white either i guess so i'm just curious just because i'm kind of like where where does this really go? It's nice again for Karn the Great Creator to have a searchable wrath that they'll be able to use, but they have to figure out a way to make white mana. That's going to be tough for all the decks that Karn's in right yeah. now, at least. I mean, I think it's like a potentially serviceable wrath in like in like a any control deck with white. I think it's fine. Right. Like I don't think you need to do. I don't think it needs to be like an artifact synergy or a tutor deck. And then they can find Teferi or the Wandering Emperor or some other powerful walker that just like closes the game after you've reset the board yeah so this one's not probably not really a karn target we think we think this might just be a goes in control decks kind of card yeah unless i mean there are like white devotion decks that pop up every now and then and so i don't know if this is something that's like so good that oh, oh, the white based devo decks with like karn in them would try to pivot to it i feel like they maybe have too many early permanents that they don't want to wipe with silex like this like they're not sort of just like sitting back on their laurels and then like getting this and then starting to take over the game cards powerful though portal to phyrexia nine mana artifact not legendary you can have many portals to phyrexia wormholes everywhere when the portal to phyrexia etbs each opponent sacrifices three creatures at the beginning of your upkeep put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control, a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. It's a Phyrexian in addition to its other types, etc., etc. Yeah, I mean, uh, I saw people mention this as a refurbished target. I saw people mention it as like a weird juke creativity target. 
mm-hmm. um, potentially even something for Monogreen Ramp and Pioneer in the in the wishboard. Maybe not, but it's a powerful card if cheated. I yeah. feel like so. There's something there. Again, cheated with Tron or Nykthos, the things that make a lot of mana. That's kind of where I'm at too. This is one I'm like more on the fence about, where it's like. I think it's maybe more cute than good, but at the same time, making nine mana is sometimes super cursory for a lot of decks. So I feel like this could do something. I don't think it's like kind of what you build your deck around because like, what if your opponent's not even playing a creature deck? So it's like either wishboard or sideboard. Yeah. That's the key is that this does nothing if nobody has creatures. So you have to be a deck that gets nine and has creatures that you want to reanimate in some form, or you want to kill your opponent's creatures, which doesn't actually describe every matchup. It still does something if you are proactively putting creatures in your graveyard. You know, if that's what your deck is about, and and you can almost like treat the opponent's sacrifices three as like the cherry on top, this can still be useful against like a control opponent. It's perhaps like some, it's especially useful against a control opponent because they're answering all of your creatures that way too. Or some like some self mill refurb deck where it's like I'm just like loading my graveyard up with stuff. Yeah. And eventually it's a portal to Phyrexia, and then I have like some other huge crazy things I want to reanimate. Can I mention the things? It might be Greasefang esque. Uh, yeah, you took stuff. the word out of my mouth. Like I wonder if you can like rebuild Greasefang to to cheat this and then just be able to like always get your grease fangs and or other stuff. Yeah. I don't know. No one knows. All right. Let's do the last one. The last one is maybe the one that's the most annoying one to me. Anyway, that is the stasis coffin legendary artifact costs three colorless two tap exile surprise. It's to exile it. You gain protection from everything until your next turn. <laughs> Yes, you can loop it with Karn. Mm-hmm. Sure can. I is that good enough? Like, I mean, like, I mean, you do have to minus Karn. You know what I mean? Like, you can't yeah. just like it's not just some free static of Karn. Right, but when you are playing Nykthos and you save yourself until your next turn, you're gonna get another untap, probably. You know, you're gonna be able to Maybe you have the chain veil out and and do some damage or not do some damage. Activate your planeswalkers twice. Um, I don't know. It feels like there's stuff here. I would also point out that it says you have protection from everything. I don't think that it, does that include your permanence. Does not. So like if you have if you have like a board like this does nothing about protecting your Karn or whatever your creatures you're trying to win the games with. So I wonder if this is actually maybe a little bit more narrow than we're giving it credit for. Oh, I think it's pretty narrow. But again, it's a wishboard target, which can be narrow. Against like burn? Yeah, and I think it's good in aggro matchups. Yeah, it's good, oh, it's sure. good to protect sure. yourself against aggro where you're like, I need one more turn to get down to get in an attack with my Cavalier of Thorns, or I need, you know, I need to get to survive one more turn to get my loop going. Yeah. I can dig it. I don't like it. But I feel like I feel like all these cards are things that are going to be annoying in one form or another. Honestly, don't forget all these cards are also bad against Karn decks because they're all activated yeah, abilities. So it's like if anyone has Stony Silence out, these cards do nothing. And Stony Silence, like, generally good against the Karn decks too. So I I, I don't know if we're entering a world of just Karn dominance, perhaps, but definitely one where. 
we're at least packing more braids and stonies. Yeah, I think the one thing that this says to me is that there's a whole lot more options here that feel loopable with Karn right. that proactively give you a win con, especially in the case of the Stone Brain, I think is the one that's the most clear win con, where if they ban Cauldron to like soft ban, take Mono Green down a peg, it's not really going to matter. You know, and like now we have these other cards that are good too in that deck. Unless we're overlooking something, these aren't looped in a single turn to go infinite and win on the spot the way Cauldron does. Stone Brain is. You just you can exile their whole deck if you have enough mana and you have you're getting double planeswalker activations. Like that's a that's a thing that you can do over and over again. That's already what you're doing with with the cauldron. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool bunch of artifacts. I mean every every artifact that does something <laughs> cool is now a potential wishboard target and here to annoy us whether whether it whether it gets played or not it's there to annoy us yeah we have some cool reprints i guess we should talk about yeah two quick things on reprints one is blast zone cool card but it's already legal everywhere that we care about because it's not that old of a card so whatever blast zone welcome welcome back if you've never bought them maybe now's the time to buy them i don't know how cheap they are but i don't have any i'll buy them monastery swift spear super interesting card uh because it's going to be in uh, explorer on arena now and so finally maybe the mono red decks on arena will get a little bit of a buff that they've been lacking as far as that format goes move it farther towards down down that track towards pioneer by getting a new staple into the set yeah that's that's the main thing i'm just mostly happy it's like forced into arena this way i i i have to be one of those people who's like i don't like the art as much because it doesn't doesn't look anywhere near as jeskai as the original one did, which I always like really was a flavor win for me out of cons. So I, I kind of lose that, but I'm, I'm just glad that the card exists yet again. Same. I also think it's going to be, a, I think mono red is looking like it's being built into a thing in standard again. So if you want to do that, that's fun. Speaking of mono red, there is a pretty exciting aggressive red card that I'd love to mention called Felden Ronum Excavator. One in a red for a legendary human artificer that has haste. It's a 2-2. It cannot block. But whenever it is dealt damage, exiled that many cards from the top of your library, choose one until end of your next turn, you may play that card. I think this is a pretty good get, right? It's aggressive. It's like it's swinging. It's only swinging. That's its point because it can't block. But even if it dies, it's keeping you in the game, potentially replacing itself. With, with something that's like equally or more aggressive, almost like it's scaling upward as the game progresses. Even if it's dealt damage. So it could eat a fatal push, it could eat a removal spell, it could get exiled. There's a lot of ways to remove this for no value. So, the I mean, the floor of, but the floor of many red two drops is a 2-2 with haste, right? In terms of, especially like in the, the pioneer end of things but I, i'm also into this card like remember like remember the days like when red cards with haste like this like hurt you somehow i guess not blocking is the hurt on this right. but i mean the thing for me is like i'm trying to really wrap my head around how powerful this ability is because so many cards in red have something like this and many of them aren't sniffing play right now like so i, I think it might have a place in like pioneer red aggro decks but it might just be standard power level at this point yeah, I kind of look at this card and just think it's not as good as Carrie Zev. Yeah. 
maybe. But I could be wrong. Carries have is really good. Two bodies. The menace you know, is clutch because you, you, you get to attack good. in with it really easily. The first strike is clutch sometimes yeah, too because yeah. when people block it, you can mess them up. But um, yeah, I don't know. This card definitely raised some eyebrows for me. But I I kind of have a similar take with you, Shane, that it might just be standard power. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess the thing is, is like you know, it doesn't always do something. Like you know, you you couldn't use it in a sacrifice deck, not that you would want to, but like you know, something like experimental synthesizer is like when when it goes away you get something out of it and this is like sometimes when it goes away you get some things out of it and get one of those but you know it's like which is cool until the end of your next turn that's always what you want to see on these because it gives you more options and gives you more time to make your decisions like if you get a burn spell you get sort of you know an instant spell then you get to use it for you know tricky interactions or you know trigger prowess when you want or blow someone out in combat so it's it's more fun that way for sure but I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm into it, but I'm not like over the moon about it. You know what? I am over the moon about Brushland. Huh. <laughs> uh, I think Brushland's like a real get. I haven't heard you say that since 1995, <laughs> Shane. Uh, no, I, I remember. I have some. I have a mismatched set of like MP Brushlands from the Eldrazi, uh, Bans Eldrazi days. So like you know. Uh, there's always something to do with the brushland, my friend. I think it's a really, real good get for Pioneer because, you know, Celestine is more conducive to aggression. It's more conducive to life loss. It gives these decks another legitimate duel to be using. Like, much like, like Crepulsion Forest and Sulphur Springs, I think this is going to see play in the format. Underground River has potential, but like Demir decks and Demir base decks usually have duels that can play later in the game. They don't want to have to deal with the pain early. So it's like, I don't think. I mean, it's, it's fine that it's there, but I think Brushland's the real thing that's going to make a difference in Pioneer's mana. The end. Dig it. Mm-hmm. Agree. Cosign. So you guys are also pretty interested in Ashnod, and I'd love to talk about it because this one was really hard for me to evaluate. I'll read it. Ashnod Flesh Mechanist. Single black for a 1-1 death touch. When Ashnod attacks, you may sacrifice another creature. If you do, create a tapped Power Stone token. It also has 5 exile a creature card from your graveyard. Create a tapped 3-3 colorless zombie artifact creature token. The reason this card is tough for me to grok is the fact that all these cards in the set are producing tapped permanents, whether they're power stones or in this case, it's like spending five to make a tapped three, three plus this needs to attack. And because it has death touch, it's either getting in there or trading with something, I suppose it just makes me feel like the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Do we are, are tapped power stones good enough? Are tapped permanents good enough? Are we playing with other cards that make valuable tapped cards that I'm forgetting about? I thought this card was better when I thought you could use Power Stone mana on anything. No, you cannot. Mm-hmm. You cannot. It's only for artifacts. artifacts. Spells. No, 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 no. Ah, no, no, no. Not quite. Let's talk about Power Stones. It's, you can't spend it on non-artifact spells. You can use it on abilities of non-artifact spells. Like You can spend a Power Stone on Ashnod's 5-mana ability. Okay. That helps a little bit. You can use it on abilities. Yeah, I, b- I believe the way it's templated as Power Stones, you can't use it to cast non-artifact spells. Yeah, I was looking at it right now. That is an important distinction. Mana can't be spelt, spent to cast a non-artifact spell. 
Yeah. Yeah. It is an important distinction. But they're still only producing colorless and they're always yes. delayed. So uh, for, for that reason, like maybe there's going to be some cards that produce power stones that make the cut just because like adding mana generation to permanence as a as a cherry is going to be worthwhile. But the fact that they're all tapped makes me feel like they have a big hump to get over. Yeah, I just don't see where I don't see a lot about this one that I like. Like having to attack and sacrificing just seems weird to me. Yeah. Um, I think maybe maybe it's a rare because like it's really good and limited or something like that. Like I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think this card is worse than I thought originally. I am bummed that they didn't make Ashnot a better card. Yeah. I mean a one mana legendary card definitely still raises some eyebrows, but um Let's see if it ends up somewhere else. We don't have to belabor it. Let's go on to a card we should belabor a little bit. Overwhelming Remorse. Four generic and a black for an instant. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. Exile target creature or planeswalker. That's it. What do you think about it? Seems good. I mean, potentially one mana exile target creature or planeswalker. It's different than delve. You know, you don't have to use a resource to get rid of it. You have to get creatures in your graveyard. You know, there are problems with that. You know, I look at a card like Talarian terror. Is that the name of that card where you just have to get instants and sorceries in your graveyard in order to make its mana cost go down. And that is somewhat easier because you can use opt to get another opt to get another opt. And all those goes, go into the graveyard and you're just paying for them. But I do think in a self-mill kind of strategy, like Grease Fang, you know, especially Grease Fang when you're playing Seder Wayfinder, like Obzon Grease Fang, this can be a card that can be really good for you to have to get rid of problematic creatures and Planeswalkers. I think this card is bad. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Just I think bad. it's bad. I think, it's, I, think it's, I think it will not be played. I think it will, wow. I think it will simply, I think it will be tested and then uh, punted to the bulk bin. Because it requires creature cards in your graveyards. This is a mega red flag for me. This requires very particular deck building requirements to make the floor not terrible. So you have to have like your Stitcher Suppliers or Seder Wayfinders or Grizzly Salvages or Gather the Packs. Other self-mill cards are necessary to get your graveyard stocked enough to make this card like efficient enough, I think, to bother play. But then like even if you do that, decks like this have hard counters with all the graveyard hate that you'll be facing to try to stop your preliminary game plan. So like you have your preliminary game plan and your removal suite tied up in the same idea that people are going to be trying to hate out. And so like this card's going to just be dead in hand a lot of times where you're like, I really need it to cost two or one. And it's going to be like, it costs five because my graveyard's hosed and I've got no creatures in it or my grizzly salvages didn't hit or whatever. And it's not going to, so it's not going to shore up your post sideboard games where you want removal as often as you want because people are going to be targeting your yard. And so I feel like this is going to end up being too conditional to bother playing in the end. This is this is my take. I don't hate this line of line of logic. I do think it's hilarious that the cards you mentioned are all in one deck in Pioneer already together. Which they're one? all the, and it, they're not yeah, Obzon Grease Fang. I, know, I think I don't think Obzon plays Gather the Pack, do they? No, I'm sorry. Well gather the pack I'm not. Oh really yeah, I mean, yeah, about, I know but there's, yeah, the other ones. Grizzly Salvage, Seder Wayfinder, and Citrus Supplier all are in that deck already. Yeah. And they have a sideboard that includes Abrupt Decay 
which is, you know, for two mana that can get rid of a target non-land permanent, converted mana cost three or less in case you haven't looked at Abrupt Decay lately. And then it has Fatal Push. That's for like rest in pieces and stuff, well, right? And it's, like, for, it's for other cards that make it problematic for, yeah. for them or other things that they want to kill. They have three Fatal Push in the sideboard as well. So I feel like it could be a part of a removal suite in a deck like this that's already doing these things and is not going to go away from that game plan in game two anyway. Now, I don't think they're going to have four of them, and it probably won't be main. I mean, this deck doesn't even have removal main at all, right? So... Yeah, I, I mean, I think part of the problem with this, though, is that one of the ways you beat Greasefang is with Graveyard Hate. So post-board, this is potentially a huge liability as well. Yeah, it's just bad. It's going to be like and a you, blank piece of cardboard. And, and you need to pivot. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing I will add to enabling this card is that Liliana exists. And if you need to set this up and you can't Edict her for, for whatever reason, because maybe you want to tag another Walker... You can plus Liliana to put the things in your yard that make this cheaper. So, to your point, like sometimes your your Grizzly Salvage doesn't hit. You can play other cards to ensure that your stuff hits. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like all my eggs are in one basket type thing here. And if like my graveyard's not being hit, I'm 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 winning with Obs on Greasefang anyway. But but aren't we talking about decks that are winning? Be- with all their eggs in one basket, like super linear, hyper-focused, all-in glass cannon combos. And this is just letting you play that strategy while also interacting a little bit better. I mean, I think that's when you just play your your abrupt decays or you play your fatal pushes where it's like they're always efficient and they're always doing the thing you want. And this is like, I can't have a card that doesn't do the thing I want when I need it to. Yeah. And that's my fear with this card. For sure. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's clearly, I mean... It's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's better than murderous cut, but because of the the card type limitation, how much better are we talking? And that's what we'll find out. So, all right, here's a card that I added to the list. I want to tell you guys why, and it's recruitment officer, single white mana for a two one. So that's good, uh, but it's also a human soldier that has the ability three and a white to look at the top four of your library. You may reveal a creature card with mana value three or less from among them. Put it in your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Is this just another new cheap outlet for infinite mana to dig through your deck the way that one green creature does, whose name I can't remember? Duskwatch Recruiter. Yeah, is this just like an extra Duskwatch? That does require you to have white capabilities in your infinite mana combo, but I feel like that's possible. Maybe. This is very outside of the type of deck that I'm interested in, if that's what it's going to be used for. You know? Yeah. That's just, to me, like... That's probably the only way something like this gets used. Exactly. Like, that to me is, like, what this card is for. It's just, like, a crazy payoff for infinite mana decks that can produce white and win on the spot. And and just like f- a new way of finding their walking ballista or whatever. What decks and what are making infinite mana? I don't know. Druid. Just, yeah, just yeah, just in case. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, just, just throw it in your druid deck. See what it happens. Exists. This card exists. Can't argue with that. It is cheaper than Duskwatch Recruiter for what it's worth. I'm looking at it right now. Duskwatch Recruiter costs two. The activated ability is more expensive. I mean, could be. Broke it. All right, I got another game-breaking card. This is a Mythic, and I think, let's keep that in mind when we evaluate it. 
because to me that was the thing that kept me coming back to it when I was trying to figure out whether it even added to the notes. And it's Surge Engine. Too generic for an artifact creature construct. 3-2, it has Defender, but if you pay a single blue mana, Surge Defender loses Defender, and Surge Engine loses Defender, and gains this creature can't be blocked permanently. This is not until end of turn or whatever. It has another ability. Two and a blue... Surge Engine becomes blue and has base power and toughness 5-4. Activate only if Surge Engine doesn't have Defender. So it's now a 5-4 can't be blocked. I'm, I'm looking at this card. What's that? Another ability. Four blue, blue. Draw three cards. Activate only if Surge Engine is blue and only once. So you can only do that once. And it's not once per turn. It's just once. Period. Yeah. You know, the fact that they made this mythic, I think, is sort of a hint that it's maybe better than it reads at first. Three mana, three two can't be blocked is sort of where we're at. Or it's a two mana, three two defender that on turn three can now attack for unblockable three damage. I mean, I like Ascendant Spirit type cards, figure of destiny type cards. That's what this feels like. It is, you know, you can do a lot of cool stuff when the right type of deck when it's blue especially you can play a threat and protect it until you have a chance to make it bigger um i think those are interesting things you know paying for something in installments is generally a good thing you know these cards have been good in the past and ascendant spirit has been good very recently in pioneer it's not particularly right now because the deck it's in is not that good but this card, I think, is interesting and flashy. I think it's it's absolutely a no go in modern. Like you don't. That's just this is just not the way that modern is played. Right. But there sure. could be a blue control shell that wants something like this. Wants a low drop like this in Pioneer, maybe to have you know beat an early aggro rush and then be able to ladder it up later if you want to. I'm a little suspicious. It's that it's a standard level mythic and not anything other than that, but. All right, guys, can I throw another questionable blue card at you? Please. It's your job. It's my favorite. (laughs) Thank you. This is what I contribute to the spoiler episodes. Herkel, Master Wizard, one blue blue for a 2-4, Dodge a Shock, for a legendary human wizard advisor. Dodge's Bolt. (laughs) At the beginning of your end step, if you've cast a non-creature spell this turn, reveal the top five cards in your library For each card type among non-creature spells you've cast this turn, you may put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand, put the rest in the bottom of your library in any random order. All right, you you, want to hear my crazy hot take of why this card could be good? Please. Sure. I feel like this is a cool addition for Cascade decks. For, for, For the Cascade mechanic. As a way to get two different card types when you're cascading and potentially keeping your like proactive cascade plan going for future turns that also pitches to force of negation, which is like relevant if you have multiples because it's a legendary or if you just like don't want to cast it because you need to protect whatever your cascade spell is. Oh, what, what are you keeping going exactly? So let's say you do violent outburst into whatever cascade spell. Like it doesn't have to be rhinos. It can be, calibrated blast whatever i don't care the fact is you've now played an instant and a sorcery and this is going to potentially draw you two more cards yeah 
the, my, here's my thing. It's super conditional, right? Like it's just so conditional. And then the effect is like not super amazing for me. Right. Like, so like, what, what are you hoping to do? Like, so I'm hoping to draw multiple cards every time I cast spells. That's what I'm hoping to do. Or at least one card. Like, even if I don't draw multiple, like drawing another card every turn. Like, that's what I'm hoping to do. In a, in a Cascade deck specifically. I mean, that, that's kind of where I saw this going first, just because it's three CMC and blue. But the point is that it's like, ideally, not only is it just drawing you extra cards, but it's giving you card selection on top of that. Like, the ceiling, I think, is sky it's, high. It's not. It's not real. Like, you draw, you're going to, so you look at two cards in this situation. You're looking at two cards. And your percentage chance to hit you're not looking at anything. Two. It's not. You're, you're looking you at the top at two. five. You look at five every time. Okay, so okay, you look at the top five, and then you have if you cast an instant and a sorcery, in let's say even specifically like a a, a cascade deck. Like I think like you're running twenty five lands, so you're like what fifty five percent chance to like not even you know hit a land. Excuse me, to to hit a non land card in the first place. Yes, but but okay, and okay. then you run other things too. You run creatures. You run. Don't uh, run other creatures. You know, sorceries, etc. Yeah, yeah. So wh- here's what I'm saying. Like, why, why run even? Why run other creatures? Like you can get other enchantments, you can get other artifacts, you can get other planeswalkers. Like there's other good non-creature. What artifacts types. are you running in a cascade deck? It doesn't have to be cascade. We're, let's just talk about. Let's just talk about drawing extra cards. See, that's even worse. Then. Well, here, here's here's the deck. No, it's, I it's way too conditional. Way yeah. too conditional to draw those cards. Way, 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 way too conditional. I want this to be good too. And the the shell that I thought about this in was, of course, I was like, okay, if I have Opt and I have Crash Through and I have Mishra's Bobble, all mm-hmm. really cheap cards that I can play with mm-hmm. this. And then I look off the top and see if I get another Mishra's Bobble and see if I get another Sorcery in an instant. Like, I was like, maybe, but also I just think like it has to survive all the way to your end step. Like, I wish yes. that it was some other, like if it was the beginning of your second main or something like that, it would, I feel like that would be cooler. I don't know. I wish this card was awesome, but I, I feel like it's, I feel like it's not. I feel like you activated Watsy's trap card. You know what I mean? Like this is, I think this is like a, this is a trap like where it's like, Oh, I can draw a lot of cards and then you play with it and you're like missing a lot or you get like you know you get you cast three spells and you get one of them you have to untap with this in like a post board game you're just going to like get it immediately like rending volleyed in pioneer or like unholy heated in modern i just don't see what this spells actually doing besides being like potentially cute where it's like i'm drawing cards and that feels good but i don't think you're going to draw that many cards because it's just really hard to build a deck Especially where it's like non-creature spells. It has to be everything but creatures. So it's just like, I don't know. I don't want to keep like stepping on like your, 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 your this card that you want to be good. But I just, I don't think it's going to be good. I'm fine to be proven wrong again. <laughs> but I don't think I am on this one. I don't think you are either. I, I'm giving into the dark side on this one. Sorry. I'm going to go on a, on a card that I think is good in a bunch of formats though. Another questionable blue card. Maybe it's not that questionable, really, and that is Teferi, Temporal Pilgrim. Three generic, blue-blue. Uh, I hate liking this card. I hate Legend- liking it so much. Legendary Planeswalker, Teferi. Whenever you draw a card, put a loyalty counter on Teferi, Temporal Pilgrim. Zero, draw a card. Minus two, create a 2-2 blue spirit creature token with vigilance, and whenever you draw a card, put plus one, plus one counter on this, and then minus 12, 
target opponent chooses a permanent they control and returns it to its owner's hand. They then shuffle each non-land permanent they control into its owner's library. I just think that this card is good. I mean, I, there's no other way to say it. Like This is it, how I want to draw cards. It can get huge by from drawing cards with other spells. You can just zero it to draw a card, and it makes a reasonable threat that synergizes with you drawing other cards. And then the 12 is, you know, a, a minus 12. But it seems achievable because if you're in a deck drawing a bunch of cards, you can maybe get there. We're already playing a five five mana Teferi right now, even in modern. I do think that this deck, is, this, is this card better is, than that, though. I don't no. think it's better than it, but I do think that it adds something different to the creature to your Planeswalker suite in the sense that it gives you a Planeswalker that draws you some cards and puts a threat into play, which might be important sometimes. So I, I wouldn't wholesale swap out to Fairy Hero of Dominaria for this one. But I do think you could have it as a one of in a deck like that and feel pretty good about drawing into it in the situations you have it because you're in a deck that draws cards anyway, yeah. you know? So, Stan, Stan, what do you think about this card in like a Pioneer Phoenix sideboard? You know what I mean, where it's like, I know it's going to live or I need to like have a little bit of like a juke ability. And so, like, I'm going to board into like my couple to fairies. And then just go ham, like when I untap with it. Yeah, I mean, I like that because if you're trying to juke to beat graveyard hate, you're still keeping all your stupid cantrips and like potentially going off. And even if you, it comes down and you instantly minus two, and then like whether or not it survives, like your opponent has to decide then, like, do they kill the creature or do they kill the walker? And if they choose wrong, yep. then they potentially like let you keep a walker that keeps you going or if they choose wrong then you get a creature that's about to get huge so I, yeah because the creature maintains the text it's just like it's not like part of teferi's ability it's the token's ability so yeah i think that's a pretty interesting application especially in the post-board phoenix games that have to go long and and where you kind of have to become like an is it control deck to to survive yeah i mean if you look at what's in in phoenix sideboard right now for i'm looking at a deck that's a well-known Phoenix player. Oh, Daniel Echos. Their sideboard has a crackling Drake and a Chandra torch of defiance and a sweltering suns and young pyromancer to help in the sideboard, you know, post if you want to go big. Yeah. I think this card in, I think this card needs to be in a good shell for it. Like, I don't know if it's like sort of generically as good as Teferi five is and like Azorius control or something like that. But I do think that this card has like, juke written all over it to me yeah where it's like hey my, my i draw a lot of cards and i make i make this happen the fact that it's five mana i think is like the biggest problem like all all of the things that you mentioned dave right now are four or less and that fifth mana can be a huge hump like chandra torture defiance Teferi, hero of dominaria oh well oh, the, the, the oh, ones the you one were in, listing out of the out of the sideboard yeah, yeah. like chandra's four crackling yeah. trick is four pz's two last i checked yeah, I think that's true. But this is a powerful card. It's going to do some stuff. Yeah, I think it's I think there's maybe even more here than we realize, but even if there's not, I think it's still going to see play because it does something novel, right? Where it's like it's not a lot of I think planeswalkers if any, no no planeswalker that I can think of does something where it can get out of hand as quickly as Teferi does, like if you untap with it. I mean, besides ones that maybe win the game, of course. 
what's getting out of hand the the spirit like how, how did how do you see this getting out of hand if you untap with it um to, i mean you could just cast like a huge series of cantrips and then you have your you could have your teferi be literally you know potentially up to 12 loyalty you know what i mean? see like, yeah and then, yeah you drop so. for turn right so it comes down you get it to five then you drop for turn it's that I mean, 12 would be a lot and then you have to find a way to draw let's say you have six mana can you draw six cards with six mana i think so right you like, can you can draw six cards in pioneer with three mana let me show you how you just cast galvanic iteration and treasure cruise that's it yeah there so there's there's a lot of ways I can see this scaling very quickly into an out of hand situation, and you know, or it could be the spirit that you make, where it's like, hey, I've got a you know, I've got a really big spirit all of a sudden, like deal with that, my friend. After you know, I've I've controlled the game for a long period of time, so I think it's a good I think it's a good spell and good uh, planeswalker to maybe even end on i think we we have some stuff in reserve for next week and we can get on out of here why don't we at the pace of these spoilers i'm I'm hopeful for next week yeah i think by the time next week rolls around we're gonna have the whole episode or the whole set spoiled even but let's wait and find out that wraps up this week's show if you haven't yet make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out and if you use apple Podcasts please leave us a rating and review. If you'd like to submit a question to our podcast, you can tweet us at the dive down, all one word, or email the dive down at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash the dive down. You can also support us while playing magic with a mana trader subscription. Use promo code the dive down 15, all one word, and get 10% off your first two months of renting magic online cards. And also get some amazing shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, and more at Barrister and Man using that same promo code, the Dive Down 15, for 15% off your first order. And you can even save some money on paper cards over at Nerd Rage Gaming with code Dive8 to get 8% off your order from NRG. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, Get out there and win, brothers. Whoa!